I swear that love will find you in your pain. I feel it in me like the beating of life in my veins. Times that I worked hard Cause I believe Life could have meaning Through things I achieved You knew I was looking for The time I thought romance Might feel love oh, Incomplete So Couldn't find fun. 
Hey, good morning, everybody. We're going to get started. I invited somebody to church, and they said, what time does church start? I told them 10.30-ish. 10.30-ish. That's right. Hey, we're recovered, still recovering from our week and our weekend. I'd like to read a verse of Scripture, book of Psalms 37. It says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as in the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for its place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in an abundance of peace. How many of you guys can use an abundance of peace? Amen. You know, that peace only comes from Jesus. There's nothing in this world that can bring you the peace, that can stop the storm that is inside your soul. There's not a lot we can do about the storm that's outside of us, but the storm that's inside of us. The Lord can calm it. He can bring you to a perfect peace. He can bring you to a steadiness in the midst of the storm. And I believe that's what he's going to do. He's He's touching his people and he's bringing them into a place of rest. Into a place of rest, into a place of peace, into a, a, a place that is just, uh, that they can't be moved by all the craziness that's going on out in the world. You know, it says that everything will be shaken that can be shaken, but we serve a kingdom that cannot be shaken, amen? And so, if you're new here today, you know, we start off with praise and worship because number one, it's just a good way to just kind of start things off and get rid of all the tension and the stress and everything that we've been carrying. But we, we worship him because he's worthy to be praised. He's the one who died in our place for our sins to restore us back to God, to, to give us health and healing and, and all the things that come from the salvation that we have in Jesus. So I just encourage you that during this time to just kind of everything that you're dealing with, all the stress, just kind of kick it off to the side and just say, you know what, for right now, for these next few hours or however we're long we're together, that I'm just going to work. We're just going to make it all about Jesus. We're going to worship him. We're going to praise him. Even if you don't feel like it, even if you feel like, you know what, I don't know if I have anything to praise him for. You know what, praise it like it's already done. Praise Him like it's already done. Just stand and say, you know what, Lord, thank you. 
Thank you that you're bringing me into a new season. Thank you that you're bringing me out of the pit. Thank you that I'm already healed. Thank you that my children are already back. Thank you that my marriage is already being restored. Lord, thank you that you have new things in front of me. Amen. And so that's where we're going to go. So, <laughs> Judah, you all right up there? Just a couple quick things. Uh, we have our youth group uh, meets on Monday nights. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets on Monday nights. Anybody with a hang-up, hurt, or habit, that's Monday, 7 o'clock. And also, Wednesday night is our Bible study. Um, we will have service the first Friday, which will be September 1st. So September 1st, we'll have a, a Friday night service here. Um, and then also September 3rd, which will be two Sundays from now, we're going to have the, the Ministry of Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge will come here. And, you know, a, a lot of people here, a lot of people come from our recovery home is kind of transferred from the Teen Challenge program, which is just an awesome program that was started by Dave Wilkerson in New York City uh, a whole lot of years ago. But they're going to come and they're going to minister and bring the word. And then, of course, September 13th, we'll have a special Wednesday night service with Bobby Hogan. And so that'll be a great time, too. So I want to encourage you to make all those services. But right now, why don't we just stand to our feet? And I'm going to go ahead and pray. And, you know, wherever you're comfortable with, you know, I can remember there was a day where I walked into a church like this, and I was like, what the heck are all these people? doing like why are they raising their hand like why are they so excited like what's up with this dude over here he's crying like I didn't know everything that was going on and so I was a little nervous at first but then there was a point where I was like you know what I don't care I why would I care what somebody next to me thinks about me what I care is what God thinks about me and there's something and there's something about like when I raised my hand, of course, that's a sign of surrender. But you know what? When I got my hands raised, I can't carry my burdens anymore. I can't carry all the heavy baggage. It's like, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I, I, I'm giving that situation to you. I'm giving my life to you. I'm giving that struggle to you. That financial problem I have, I'm giving to you. Because I can't carry it anymore. But I know that there's nothing that's too big for you. So I'm giving it all to you. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for a Sunday morning with New Hope family, with old friends and new friends, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that your word says that where any two or three are gathered in, in, in your name, that you are here in the midst, Lord. So I thank you, Lord, that today that you're going to be setting people free, Lord, that you're going to be changing situations, that you're going to be healing broken hearts, Lord. I thank you that faith will be rising here in this sanctuary, Lord. So we just say, have your way. This is your service. It's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah. 
One day, better is, better is. Better is one day in your heart. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your course. Thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your course. Better is one day in your house. 
take the offering, but before I did that, I just wanted to take a little pause and just celebrate what the Lord's been doing here. I, I just, I'm blown away by all the things that, that God has done in the past couple weeks, the, the people that he's brought, the people that he's brought into this family and into our life. And You know, it, it started a, a couple weeks ago, we started the the hope for the streets as a response for um, the boys that got shot, the one in Ambridge and the one in Aliquippa, and that basically culminated into like a four-week outreach. Um, we had the, the news come and show up that day, and that started off on KDKA, the 6 o'clock and the 11 o'clock news. For once, it was like a good story, a positive story that was leading off, right? We changed the whole tone of the news, right? That's what we do. We change the tone of things. We change the environment when we enter into that space. And so Hope for the Streets went out. We knocked on people's doors, met a whole lot of people um, through that. And then last week, we had our first ever youth camp. We've always like sent our kids away to another camp or piggybacked on a camp. And I said, you know what? It started getting to the end of summer. I said, I'd really like to just have our own camp. Let's see if we can do it. And, you know, um, a lot of our leaders were troopers. They kind of know, like, they're just rolling with me. We literally, like, planned it at the last minute and, and pulled it all off. And it was, so uh, the, our, our youth kids, it was like junior high to high school, 
um, and they came and they would show up at 9.30 in the morning and we kept them till about 8 o'clock at night and we did everything from watching movies to hiking to kayaking to going to a ranch. Uh, Mike Giuliani taught a lesson each and every morning. We taught them how to do soaps in their Bible and it was just a really, really great week and I mean for like a lot of people who say like, oh yeah, you know, that I can tell you the next generation is awesome. They're going to be great, you know, so don't like sit there and get and be like, oh well, you know, this generation, they're a bunch of bums and stuff. That's what like our parents said about us and your parents said about you guys, right? It's always been a mixed bag in every generation and we've got some awesome uh, some awesome young adults coming up. So if you guys were at our camp last week, I know that everybody's not here. Could you guys just stand up really quick? Just stand up. We just want to give you guys a round of applause. We just appreciate, just appreciate you guys. Go ahead. You guys can be seated. I just, uh, we had, uh, you know, between 12 and, and 15, depending on the the day, but um, Evan and Chris and everybody who helped out, we had a ton of people who came and and kind of helped out and uh, helped carry that burden. Uh, you know, Mike Giuliani, Karen was there, Caitlin, Ella. I mean, a lot of people came and, and put that together. And then when they came, they actually came and they helped us out with our vacation Bible school as well. So we had a few adult leaders, but for the most part, it was like really our youth kids and our youth group that really helped out, went door to door, knocked on people's door, invited them to vacation Bible school and the block party on Friday. So they were just a huge help. And like, you know, we don't see it as like they're just an extra part. Like they are part of this church. And like, and they can minister too. And they help minister in the vacation Bible school. And they did a great job. And, you know, Taylor and, and Sherry and Melina and everybody else who helped out with the vacation Bible school um, and everybody else who showed up. I know there's a bunch of people, so don't get mad at me if I miss you. It, it takes all of us to, to pull this off, and, and they did a great job. The vacation Bible school was, was really good. It was, it was really awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Then, of course, we had our block party, and I mean, I, I think it was our best one ever. I mean, it was just, the place was packed. I mean, we gave away food. We gave away like something like 140 backpacks with school supplies. Um, we had some great music, uh, Bo and Tay and, and our worship team. And of course, we had the donut showdown, which I won, by the way, just so everybody knows. And I mean, it was just an amazing time. And I know that kind of everybody that, that helped come and set up uh, you know, it, it was it was a lot of work, but man, it was what great results. And I'm just looking forward to the harvest of all the seeds that, that have been sown all week long. So love you guys. It's not possible without you, but this church is, is it's moving. There's momentum. Things are growing. Things are building. We have so many more awesome things that are on the horizon, but I love you guys, and God's just getting started here. Amen? We'll go ahead. I'll pray for the... I'm going to go ahead and just pray for... Um, pray for our offering. Lord, we are so grateful. We're so grateful that we get to be your hands and feet uh, uh, here in this community and, and, in, and in the world. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have of, of being the salt and light, Lord. And I just pray that you would just continue to bless us, Lord. You know what we need. 
um, in this church for the projects that we have and the, the, the missions and the vision that we have, Lord. You, you know all that, Lord. So I thank you, Lord, that you are providing all of that in abundance, Lord. And I pray that you uh, just bless each and every person that gives here today, that you would multiply everything that they would give according to your word, Lord, that they would, they would have an abundance. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think sometimes we can get so caught up in kind of the, the next thing that we forget to kind of stop and just smell the roses and look around and just be like, look what God is doing. You know, look what God is doing among us. I mean, it's just a real, real pleasure. I mean, um, you know, going on, I guess we'll be running into year 13 as uh, me being senior pastor in New Hope Church, but... I really think that, uh, you know, this is the best season that we've uh, been in yet. Uh, just uh, more unity. Everybody's kind of all hitting the ground running. We're all going in the same direction. Um, and, and it's just a really, you know, a really connected family environment, people taking care of one another. And, I mean, it's just, it's just been great. I'm just so blessed to, to be a part of it. So um, if you're not having fun, I know I am. So... Um, but hey, we're, we're in this uh, sermon series called The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. Now, I've tried this for two weeks in a row. We'll see who was paying attention or who skipped church. But I, I started off saying that Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to establish a kingdom. All right. We got it right now. So he... He didn't come to start a religion. He came to establish a kingdom. And that's what we've been studying the, the past two weeks. We've been in a series on the Beatitudes called The Pursuit of Happiness. And what it is all about is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're talking about the culture of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has a culture that is different than, than any other culture. And if you go to different areas, different cultures, people behave and they act in different ways depending on the culture that they're from. We're from Pittsburgh. We eat pierogies, right? Old ladies wear babushkas. We say yins. We put french fries on our steak. We go downtown. We... we, we make things plural that aren't plural like giant eagles and costcos just so you guys know there's no s in either one of those it's giant eagle and costco but we go to giant eagles we go to costcos right i don't know why it's just something that we do it's part of our culture when when i lived in germany it was a different kind of culture they were they were very orderly they were very serious they liked to drink a lot of beer. They took, you know, pride in the beer that they drank. They ate bratwurst. They ate stuff like, like wiener schnitzel. Like, that was, that was all part of their culture. Like, New York, where, you know, Bo's from, that's a different culture, too. Like, it's super fast-paced. Like, you get on and, like, people don't even make eye contact or say hi to you when you're on a subway unless 
you take a group from Ambridge there and they all laugh and like try to say hi to every single person on the subway and everybody ignores them and looks at them like they're crazy, right? Uh, you know, sometimes you can tell people from New York, they, they have a certain kind of accent, certain kind of way they talk, right? There's a culture in New York City and the kingdom of God has a culture. We have a way that we act. We have a way that we talk and it's because although we are in this world, we're not of this world. Our, our citizenship is in heaven and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us and now we're, we're led by the Spirit. The Spirit drives our, our choices and, and our decisions and as we read these statements from Matthew chapter 5, it, it tells us the keys to living a blessed life. That's why they all start off with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those uh, who mourn. These are the beatitudes. These are our attitudes that are part of our being as citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And when we live this way that the Bible tells us to live, that's when God is most glorified and we will be most satisfied. Hence the title, The Pursuit of happiness. So we're in the third beatitude. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5 verse 5. And it reads like this. It says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Could you just bow your heads? We'll, we'll pray for the message today. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would add a blessing to your word. Lord, I pray that my spirit would decrease and that your Holy Spirit would increase. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak. I pray that this word would go out. It would do exactly what it's intended to do. Lord, I pray that through this word, that you would continue to conform us into the image of your son according to your word. Lord, make the peoples, uh, give them ears to hear, give them hearts to receive. And we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Now, I'll just tell all of you guys right out the gate that this beatitude I struggle with. I struggle when I read that. That blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I don't, the word meek, it's hard for me to grasp. And, and honestly, I think that most of us, the way that we understand the word meek, it kind of doesn't give a, like, we don't look at somebody being meek as like a positive attribute like a, a positive thing um, in their character. We, we kind of think about like somebody who's meek that we, we kind of think of like meek at like weak. Like if you're meek, you're weak. You're, you're, you're kind of like a coward. You're a person that doesn't have any, any backbone. But I can tell you that we know that that's not the proper interpretation because there's many places in the Bible where it tells us that Christians are bold as lions, that we're to be strong and courageous. And in the book of Revelations, it's the cowardly that are there with, you know, the, the, the people who practice witchcraft and the whoremongers, right? The cowardly are thrown right in that group that are outside of the, the gate of heaven. So, and, and in addition to that, in Scripture, we find two people that the Bible specifically refers to as meek, use the same words, one is Moses and one is Jesus. And, and I think that 
if we look at all God did through Moses, we could say that he, he's neither weak nor cowardly. And obviously with Jesus, everything that he's done in his life, we, we can agree that neither one were, were weak or passive men in any way. And most people, most Bible commentators will agree that that word meek, there, there's not a word, like one word in the English language that can kind of sum up, you know, everything that, that it means. It's like sometimes in languages there's a little disconnect. Like we have the word love. We just say we love everything. I love my car. I love that movie. love my dog. I love my wife, right? There's, there's different levels of love there, but... You know, in the Greek language, there's many different words for love to kind of describe that. So you have to kind of look at, at how it's used and, and how the Bible has used it um, before. So what we're going to do for the next few minutes that we have uh, together is to unpack exactly what Jesus meant here, where it says that uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But I, I, I want to just get this guy, this in your head before we, we begin, and I want you to say it with me, that meekness is not weakness. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm not, we'll all say it together, just, you know. You're doing good. You got, we got some extra, like some overachievers here in the front. They're ready. They're like, all right, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it before anybody else does. All right, we're going to try it. We're, we're just doing it on three, right? We're going to say meekness is not weakness. Ready? One, two, three. Meekness is not weakness. It, it doesn't mean weakness. It's actually a very powerful kingdom principle, and before I, I kind of unpack it, I want you to look at the promise that's associated with this, that, that, that the meek will inherit the earth. That's a good promise. If you, if you were sitting at a relative's, you know, and they were reading the will, man, I wonder what I got. I hope I got that Rolex that, you know, grandpa had or... You know, I hope he left me some money or I hope he left his car. It's like, all right, your inheritance, the earth, right? That would be like, you're the winner that day. But if you look at it, it, it uh, another way to translate it is that the meek will possess the land. That's the same, like the same wording when uh, the Israelites were go to, to possess the promised land. It says that, that you will possess the land. Uh, and yet another translator says it that, we will rule the world. That's a good promise as well. But like, you know, most promises in the Bible, there's, there's a full possession when the, when the kingdom comes, when Jesus comes back, where the, the faithful will rule and reign with Christ in the millennial kingdom. But, but, but in this life, it, it, it also means that before we get there, that, that, that God will, will raise up the meek and they will actually find themselves with with influence and power so that therefore they can create a difference for the kingdom one of the one of the easiest ways that you can think of the term meekness is strength strength under control there's a, a guy who's a philosophy professor um, his name is is Jordan Peterson and and he studied a lot of this stuff out and he said that in his studies in uh, the Greek, it, it, it has the idea of meekness of somebody who has a sword, knows how to use the sword, yet they keep it sheathed until they, they, they have no other choice 
but to use it. Another, uh, if we look in the Greek language the same way, it, it, this word was also used to describe war horses. So um, a lot of the sources uh, in the ancient language say that uh, this word was associated with the breaking in of, uh, of horses, that they would catch these wild stallions that were, you know, powerful and, and, and wild, and they were up in the mountains, and they would bring them down, and they would try to break them in to make them into war horses, right? In that day, that was the cavalry. It wasn't a Bradley or a tank or, or something like that or a Humvee, right? They rode on horses, and the cavalry was usually like the strongest part of, of that, that infantry. So they would get these horses, and they wanted the wild horses because they wanted them to retain their, their kind of spirit and strength and, and, and power, but unless they had discipline... And unless they had obedience to the master that was riding them, then those traits of, of courage and strength were, were totally useless. In fact, the, the best horses they would reserve for, for warfare because they needed a horse that, that, that had courage that would race into the battle. But if that war horse could not respond immediately to the master's command, then it had little value, and it actually endangered its rider. So the, these war horses, when they were broke in, they, were, they had great power, and they were under control. They were meek. And, and if you take it from, like, a, a, a place of, like, complete wildness, like, you know, if you're, if you're strong and you're a little bit on the wild side and you kind of lived a little bit of a crazy life, you know, and God can use that. He can take that and He can use that and He can, he can redeem those qualities and He can use you in the kingdom. But if you don't learn to get control of yourself and you don't learn how to be obedient to the voice of the Spirit, then just like those horses that cannot be broken, you're not going to be much use in the kingdom. Learning to control your emotions, right? The Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit, one of the, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And, and learning to control your emotions in the proper way is a big part of meekness. The book of Proverbs 16.23 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is stronger than he who takes a city. It's, it, it's, it's sometimes easier to conquer a city than to control your own emotions and your own spirit. It's okay to be powerful. It's okay to be strong. Nobody's calling you to be weak, but you have to have that strength under control of the master who is in heaven. Meekness means that I'm steady. I'm a steady person. I don't let every little thing move me. I'm not up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm steady. That's part of being meek. Every little thing doesn't move me, and as I grow in faith, even the big things don't move me. They don't move me because I know that there is no 
situation or no devil that's bigger than my God. And so, as a person who's in the kingdom, who has submitted his life to the Lord and is led by the power of the Holy Spirit, then, then I can stay and enter into a place of, of confident rest where I know that ultimately that the Word says that all things work out for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say some things, it says all things. The good and the bad. God will use that all to bring you into His purposes. And if you know the character and the nature of God, that He is a good Father, that He loves you, that you can trust Him, that He has a good plan for you, then sometimes in life when it feels like the bottom drops out, you just know like, well, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in this situation. I don't know why all this is happening, but I'm trusting my life in your hands. And I know that somehow, some way, this thing that looks like it's the worst thing is going to work out for my good. A person who has meekness in their their character and who truly understands not only who God is but who they are in Christ they can get to a place in their life where the storm doesn't move them instead they come in and they calm the storm that's the place that that we are going to and and, and Jesus told us that we're supposed to be meek but he demonstrated in his own life as he submitted his life to the will of the father even come becoming obedient to die on a cross so let's read it together we're going to go to philippians chapter 2 verse 5 and we're just going to kind of expand on this Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Say this, say, I have the mind of Christ you have the mind of Christ Christ means anointed right Christ isn't Jesus's last name it's not Jesus Christ it wasn't like Joseph Christ Mary Christ and Jesus Christ it's Jesus Christ Jesus the anointed one so you have the anointing the anointing comes from the power of the Holy Spirit so you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. We talked about spirit, soul, and body last week. So your spirit and your mind can actually work together so that you have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So Jesus is in heaven with all power, yet he humbles himself to be like a man, to be like one of us, to come down to a, a fallen world. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Judas comes as the betrayer with the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the temple guard, when they come to get him, Judas betrays him with, with a kiss, and, and Jesus kind of confronts Judas, you know, we see this, this whole thing where Peter takes one of the guard's ears off. He's like, nah, it's not going out, we're not going down like this, and he takes a sword, and, and you know, if you take off somebody's ear, like, you're not aiming for the ear. You're aiming for the head. You just happen to hit the ear. But he hit the ear. Jesus said, you know, put your sword away. He, he, he told them, he said, don't you think that I could call down 12, agent, uh, 12 legions of angels down here right now? Like, like Jesus said that, that no one takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to pick it back up again. Jesus laid down his life. He had more power than anybody in there. It, a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. He said, I could call down 12 legions of angels, 72,000 angels that he could just have on call. Father, just release 72,000 angels. I don't know what kind of army exactly was there, but I know that they're not they're not messing with 72,000 angels. So Jesus had all the power in this situation, yet he laid it down and he submitted his life to the will of the Father because he knew, even in this extreme and desperate situation, that he could trust in the plan that was already established and was determined by the scriptures. And he also knew that he wasn't there to, to, to start a, a violent revolution. It, violence just begets more violence. And, and, and his kingdom is not of this world. He doesn't bring a kingdom of violence. He, he's the prince of peace. Verse 9, it says, Therefore... God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see how that works? He humbles himself, he lays down the power, submits his life to, to the will of the Father, and what the enemy thinks is going to bring about the death of Jesus actually brings, out the, brings up the salvation of the world. He trusted in God's plan. Jesus brings a totally different kingdom. In most kingdoms, the people die for the king, but in this kingdom, the king dies for the people. It's an upside-down kingdom. Now when we look at the life of Jesus, do we begin to understand 
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What does meekness look like for us? Well, first of all, meek people control their emotions. They control their emotions. If you trust God, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're not freaking out all the time. Because you know God's in control. There's a translation that says that blessed are those who are always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. That meekness means that I have self-control, that I have power, but I know how to keep it under control and I don't release it at the wrong time, I only release it at the right time and the wrong time is when something's done to us to injure our pride and injure our ego. The right time is when we see injustice, when we see other people that, that are hurting. Because the thing is, is that I can look at it and I can say, you know what? There's a whole lot of things that the Lord has forgiven me for. And there's a whole lot of mistakes that I've made. And ultimately, the, the, the thing is, is that that person, what they've done to me, they're going to be accountable to the Lord for that. But I'm accountable to the Lord for the way that I act towards them. And evil cannot drive out evil. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can drive out hate. Only love can, can, can make a difference and that's the other thing is that not only do meek people control their emotions they also don't take revenge the Bible says that vengeance is the Lord's that, that we don't repay evil for evil vengeance is the Lord's we trust the Lord with, with vengeance Jesus said you live by the sword you die by the sword You know, we see this with, you know, these teenage gangs. One person kills the other person, then the other person kills, and it just snowballs. It never ends. Never-ending violence, never-ending suffering. But we don't take revenge. We trust God. All right, Lord, you know what? Either they're going to repent and they're going to give their life to the Lord, or else... One day they're going to meet you and you're going to judge them. And can I tell you something? God can judge your case much better than you can. So you don't have to worry about it. You let it go. And it might seem like weakness, but I mean, honestly, all you're doing is kneeling down so that God can punch him in the face. Right? It seems like, okay, well, if I let that per if I let that go, if I let what they said go, if I let what happened go, then, then I'm being weak. It's like, no, God sees that. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what the Bible tells me to do. I'm going to pray that they're going to be blessed, and God, I know you got this. I'm going to save room for wrath. And like I said, they're going to come, they're either going to come to the Lord, and if they do, guess what? Their sin was paid for just like yours was. Or else they will pay for it 
because the scripture that we read said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone will. It's just, is he your savior or is he your judge? You get to make the decision here. I suggest that you allow him to be your savior. Because on the other side, there's no atheist. There's no agnostics. Well, I know there's something out there, but I'm really not sure. Listen, when you die, you're going to be sure. Because you're going to confess that you, I don't know, there's something out there. I really don't know what it is, but there's something out there. Well, you're going to know. You're going to know. And, you know, to say everybody believes on the other side. Everybody's a believer. Everybody will believe one day, one way or the other. And meek people trust the plan of God. They trust the plan of God. Do you know that, that if God has a plan for your life, that there's nobody that's powerful enough to knock you off course? You stay faithful to God. It, it, it blows me away when I see people striving and fighting and trying to push open doors and trying to get titles and everything. That's not the way the kingdom works. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in time, he will raise you up. That's the way things work. And, and, and sometimes things will seem unfair in life. But you've got to understand that God can even use the worst things that happened in your life for good. Judas was, was with Jesus for three and a half years. He, he handled the money. He betrayed Jesus. But that just led Jesus to his destiny, which was dying for the sins of the world. Judas was a necessary piece in the plan of God. God will use your enemies to put you in position. You got to understand this. I've, I've, had, I've had people do unfair things to me, uh, betray me, and, and in the midst of it, I realized that on the other side that God was doing something greater. That, that there's times where God has to clean house in your life. That he has to separate you from certain people, certain places, certain things. So he can put you exactly where you're supposed to be. I can remember that there was one particular person that, that you know, they were getting ready to leave the church. But they wouldn't just leave. They had to kind of hang on and keep coming to service, and then they would keep coming to service and keep telling people, well, you know, this is the, this is the church that I'm going to, and, you know, I'm going to be preaching on this date. And I'm like, I'm getting mad. I'm like, how is this dude going to come to my church and walk around and invite people to a different church? Like, I was like, and I'm like, how do I deal with this? And the whole time I was just, I was trying to, to, you know, just pray for them and bless them. But it, it's like, I'm in this midst of turmoil. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do here. And I got some wise counsel. And he said, you know what? What if in one fell swoop, God could take every problematic person, every person who secretly has an agenda against you, every single person who is not loyal to you, 
What if God can prune them all out from your midst in one fell swoop instead of you having to deal with one person every two months that has a problem? What if he could totally clean house so the entire body of the church could move in complete unity? And I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I didn't say a word. And guess what? God removed every problematic person that wasn't in unity with this church in one fell swoop. The enemy thought he was using it for, for, for bad, but God turns it around and uses it all for the good. And there's going to be some times in your life where God is going to separate you from people and he's going he's gonna to separate you from certain places, but he's just doing some pruning in your life. And even though it may hurt for a season, he's pruning all the dead stuff out of your life so that you can be more fruitful in the next season. Not everyone can go where God is taking you. And he can move you from places. He can move you from jobs. I mean, I look back and... You know, when God was dealing with me to, to quit my job of, of 18 years and step into full-time ministry, like, I, I had never even got rode up for anything. I'd never even been in my boss's office. And, all, and God started dealing with me like, okay, it's time to step. But, like, it was hard for me because I'm like, my daughter's starting college. How am I going to provide for myself? I don't, I don't really know what to do. All of a sudden, like, my boss just decided that he really didn't like me. And he found any little thing to begin writing me about. He began putting pressure on me. And, and I was mad. I'm like, no matter what I do, it's like this guy just hates me. But guess what? If he didn't put that pressure on me, he made it so much easier for me to quit. What the enemy thinks that they're using for evil, God can work for the good. And when we trust in that, we don't have to fight for our own way. We don't have to hold on to things that God's trying to take out of our life. We don't have to, we, we don't have to defend our, our ego and our pride to somebody who's just committed to misunderstanding us and talking bad about us. We can say, no, you know what? I'm going to keep myself under control. I'm going to trust in my Lord. I know he's got a plan. And when you have that type of attitude... And when you have that type of life, God can raise you up into a high place. Amen? Amen. Amen. We trust in God. We trust in His plan. And we know that ultimately His plan is that as believers in Jesus Christ, we will rule and reign with Him. Amen? Amen. If you could just bow your heads. I kind of mentioned that you know, we don't know whether Jesus comes back or we don't know if something happens to us. We could get into a car accident. You know, you could drop dead. I mean, it, you know, I don't want to be dramatic, but I also, if you've been in this space, you know, next Tuesday, uh, Dan's going to be doing a funeral for a 31-year-old man that was in this church that overdosed. 31 years old. You know, he probably never thought it was his last day, but there's a day coming where we are going to stand in front of Jesus. And you have to make that decision. Am I going to turn my life, my sins, everything over to him, put my faith in him, and follow him for the rest of my life? If you do that, you don't have to fear death. That's graduation day for Christians. But I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never 
made that step, if you've never said, okay, today I want to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. It doesn't cost you anything, but it cost the Son of God his very life. He, he shed his blood on that cross to die for your sins so you wouldn't have to carry him anymore. And if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior for the very first time, I just want you to stick a hand up. Amen. God sees your hand. He knows your heart. Amen. 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 If you guys have your hands up, can you just step out to the middle really quickly? Just come on and step out. Step out. Anybody else? If you want to step up and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time. Amen. Amen. Come on, we can come move a little bit forward. Let everybody up with you. We're going to just pray something together. And this is called the sinner's prayer. And what it does is you're just praying, and this has all the power to translate you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of light. So I'm just going to ask you guys to repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I'm sorry for the way I've lived, the things I've done. I'm a sinner, but you're my Savior. And I believe that you died in my place for my sins. Send the Holy Spirit to live within me and change me. And I will follow you for all of my days. And today... I confess that I'm saved, that I'm forgiven, that I'm born again, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And I can tell you that there's a mighty party that kicked off in heaven with your names on it. Could we step out and, and, and just welcome these guys into the kingdom of heaven? Just come up, give them a hug. Congratulations. Love you. God bless you, man. New beginnings, right? New beginnings. say that not only did Jesus give his life, not only did he forgive us of our sins, not only does he give you his very spirit, but he gives you a family. And as you got these people that are coming up and shaking your hands and hugging you, you need anything. You struggle. You have a bad day. You look around at the people in this church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to be here for you. This is your family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we stand to our feet? Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for everything that you've done here. Lord, I thank you that there's new names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, we praise you. We honor you, Lord. I pray that you would be with them. You would strengthen them. 
I pray the blood of Jesus over them. I, I ask that you would send angels to protect them and guide them. Lord, I pray that every, any plan of the enemy, any demonic attack would be stopped in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your protection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could you just, if you got anything to thank Jesus for, could you just kind of shout out just in your own voice? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for everything that you've done. We give you glory and we give you honor. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you that you saved me, that you delivered me from drugs and alcohol, that you delivered me from myself, from the man that I was, Lord. I thank you for fresh starts, Lord. I thank you that your grace is sufficient, that your mercies are new every day, Lord. I thank you that we are victorious in Christ. Lord, I thank you that we are overcomers in Christ. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for that for new days, Lord. I thank you for the future, Lord, that our greatest days are ahead. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless every one of you. They're gonna play out and worship. You guys are free to leave. The service is over. God bless you. Thank you, Lord.
Dirty rat. 